The verse for this week is Galatians three eighteen through 26. For if the inheritance is based on the law, it's, it is no longer based on promise, but God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed will would come to whom the promise has been made. Now a mediator is not for one party, only whether God is the only one. It's the law, then contrary to the promise of God. May it never be. For the law has had been given, which was has shut up everyone under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before the faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become to become our tutor, to lead us to Christ, so that we may be justified by faith. But now faith has come. We are no longer under a tutor, for you are sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. How do you do today so far? How are you liking it? I was talking to Pastor Dennis. Uh, if we keep doing this much longer, we might end up putting the board out of the job with the offering and stuff like that. So, uh, But no, we're, we're so thankful for, doing, uh, for being here. Thank you a lot for uh, just giving us the opportunity to come and uh, share some of the stuff that we've been learning uh, this uh, past year, and about the last time I actually preached was this time last year, too, and uh, so I was like, going over, what should I talk about, because that's kind of the benefits of preaching here and there, right, so I get kind of choose what, whatever's on my mind, but there's like 10 different things at a given time that goes on in my mind, so I figured this would probably be the best time to address them now, so we may be here for a while, but in all seriousness, uh, I was shown a picture uh, the other day, and uh, I thought it was funny. Uh, apparently, the people on the back didn't find it funny. Can we have the slide? But it says here, uh, helpful hint number 301, that if you put screws in your tires for added traction, uh, it helps you while driving in the snow. And they didn't find it very funny, but obviously the point of it was a joke, right? That if you put screws in your tire, we know what's going to happen because of it. But there's a, a lot of uh, misconceptions, there's a lot of misunderstandings when it comes to that. If somebody took that literally, then they'd be in for a rude awakening, right? But uh, I mean, I'm sure there's some gullible people that would and whatnot. Uh, but if they misunderstood the photo's intended purpose, uh, just like there's a lot of misunderstandings in our life, right? We have a lot of misunderstandings, and we hate to be wrong about things. Not only do we hate to be wrong about things, but we hate to search the answer because then we would have to admit that we're wrong, right? And I can't help but think but that the Bible has a ton of things that many people misunderstand. And not only do they misunderstand, but sometimes we don't seek out the answers because then we ourselves have to admit that there's not everything about the Bible that, that we don't know, right? And so one of those that came to my mind and I was thinking about this was the law of Moses. And the, what it comes to good works and stuff like that, there's a lot of misconceptions and misunderstood ideas when it comes to the law of Moses. And I think that's something that 
uh, would be good for us to address, maybe get fresh up on. So the law of Moses is uh, actually the whole law is made up by 613 commands. 613 commands total in this law that God gave to Israel. And it was the purpose of it was it directed Israel's moral life and then it taught them how to govern their people, how they should punish their people. And it also talked about uh, some of the ceremonial commands. It was, there was a bunch of ceremonial commands that were given and uh, that Israel was to follow. And uh, I think uh, some of the biggest misconceptions about this, some of the misunderstandings about this, is the whole purpose of the law. Sometimes we get focused on uh, maybe one or two minor details, one or two commands, but we miss the whole, the whole aspect of the law. What was the purpose of it? So our goal today is to take some of those misunderstandings that we have about the law, some of the misunderstandings that are preached about the law, and turn them into facts so we could go and share the gospel more efficiently to others. So right here we have a, the first fact about the law is the law is inferior to God's promise that was made to Abraham. Uh, verse uh, Galatians three chapter uh, Galatians chapter three verse eighteen through twenty it says this: For if the inheritance is based upon a law, it is no longer based upon a promise. Come to whom the promise had been made. Now a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. So let's get some context because I preach all the time, right, youth? I preach context, context, context. Right? It's important to understand what the author's intended purpose, why the author is writing this passage. And Paul, in the earlier part of Galatians, is addressing the false teachers. There's these false teachers that are going around preaching a false gospel. And what they were teaching, we call them Judaizers. They were teaching that it not only took faith in Jesus Christ to, to receive salvation, but also took uh, participating in certain aspects of the law. Some of those aspects were circumcision, uh, eating certain foods. We talked a little bit about that last week. There's many different parts that they add. And what they were doing is they were adding to the gospel. And Paul says that these false teachers were coming out to take the freedom away that we have in Christ. That by them going over and doing and adding to the, to the gospel, they were actually taking freedom. They were taking uh, what Christ has freed us from. And it was even to the point where Simon Peter was getting carried away with this. You see that in chapter 2. And Paul uses some pretty harsh words about these types of teachers. In Galatians 1, 8 through 9, uh, he addresses that anyone preaching any other gospel than what they have received, any other gospel than what they were uh, preached, that that person who is preaching it was to be accursed or condemned. And those are pretty harsh words. But then he goes on and addresses this promise that was given to Abraham. And that's where we're going, to focus. we're going to focus on the end part of that promise. He says here in verse 18, For if inheritance is based on the law, all the families of the earth shall be blessed because of Abraham. And this is a direct reference towards all the, all the nations, all the and this promise that God gave that, all the, that one day the Savior, which he's God, so he keeps his promise, it's going to happen for, it's going to be forever, and it's unconditional. And anyone who knows what unconditional covenant means, it means that no matter what Abraham or his descendants or the human race did, God was always going to fulfill that covenant. 
So when he makes a promise, he keeps it. No matter if we sin or we do so much wrong in our life, he's always going to keep that covenant. He always kept the covenant, and we know that he sent Jesus Christ down on earth fulfilling that covenant. And But it says that the law here was added centuries later. The law came later after this covenant and that it's inferior to it. That means that when the law came that we couldn't, that the stuff that was commanded uh, wasn't going to change that one covenant. It was going to be there forever. So we see here when we read the Old Testament, we see that God's actually always been in missions work. He's always cared about saving men. Even if men hasn't been concerned about other men, God's always been concerned about getting man a right relationship with him. And so that promise, therefore, is greater than the law. So if this promise was so great, and we know that this promise is great, right, does that mean that the law was pointless or useless? And the obvious question is, of course not. Of course there was a purpose for it actually addresses it. He says, what was the purpose of the law then? Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through the angels of, by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. Now a mediator is not only for one party only, where God is only one. And the law has been described by Paul in uh, Romans where he describes it as holy, just, and good. It's actually perfect. It's a perfect law. So when God gave all these commandments, 613 commandments, it was to be taken seriously. And to break one of these commandments was mean that you broke the whole law. James 2.10 says, if we stumble in one of these areas, we have broken the whole thing. And so it was a guide for Israel to live a life separated from those, uh, those Gentile nations, to the pagan nations, the unbelieving nations. And when they would live, they were supposed to live this life where they were different. So it made the outsiders look in and say, why, why, uh, what makes them different? And I want to know what they have so I can receive the blessings that God's given them. And it would draw them away from the false gods and direct them right towards the living God. And unfortunately, we see throughout history that they didn't always follow that, and there were certain consequences that they had to pay. Uh, the two big ones that we see is uh, they were captured by the Syrians in 722 B.C., and they were also captured by the Babylonians in 586 B.C. And this was a d direct uh, consequence for them not following this law that God had given. But right here we see there's a pretty key word. It says that uh, until the seed has come. And I want us to focus on that because until the seed, this is talking about Jesus Christ, that this was a way that God used to govern Israel. But once when the seed had come, then it changed everything. Once when Jesus Christ came, everything changed. And then he came not to get, when he came, he didn't come to get rid of the law make it useless. He didn't come to get rid of it, but he came to fulfill it. And when Jesus kept the whole law, he lived this perfect life. And when he did, he died, he completed it. He fulfilled the whole law. And when we put our faith in Christ, it's not our righteousness that gets us to heaven. It's Christ's righteousness that's being placed upon us. And you can kind of see uh, 
the Judaizers, they were questioning Paul, as uh, many of us have people who question us, right? When we preach something that we believe in, we have those people in our life that, con- that try to find words and twist our words around and make it sound like we're contradicting ourselves. I know I've had it. I know all of you guys have had it, right? There's that one person who just twists the words around. So Paul addresses those people here uh, in the next statement. And he was, going, he was going through questions like, is God contradicting himself? Is the law and grace different? Or questions like, uh, is the law and the promise, are they contradicting itself? But actually, the law and uh, God's promise to Abraham, uh, God's grace go hand in hand with each other. It really does. And that's where we get our fact number two, is that the law was given to reveal man's sin. We see here that the law is given to reveal man's sin. In verse 21, it says, Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based upon the law. But the scripture has shut up everyone under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Basically, it's saying here, if there's a way for man to be justified by good works or the law, then there would have been a law written for it. But that's just it, right? It's impossible for man to receive salvation by his own good works. Man's good works plays no part in his, in his ability to obtain salvation. And the law was never given to, to make man righteous, but it just reveals how unrighteous man is. So when we look ourselves, when we look at the law, we see all these lists of commandments, and we realize that we, we have broken them, that the law uh, addresses that. And the first, really the first step a Christian has to take to accept Jesus Christ and put their trust and faith in him is to realize that he is a sinner under a condition which is called uh, we are, etern- we are uh, separated from God. We are spiritually separated from God. We are sinners, and we have all fallen short of God's glory. God's standard, which is perfection. And that's the first step, but that could be the hardest step to take, right? It's hard for us to realize that we have done wrong in the sight of God, that, that we are sinners, we're not perfect. I was thinking yesterday, my brother and I spent a ton of time together, and uh, I was going over the stuff that we were doing, and I was, all, I was thinking, you know, it would be a lot easier for me to go to Kyle and point out every single thing that he did wrong, right? Because he's my brother, right? And he does a ton of things wrong. And it's easy, for me to, it's easy for me to go and list off the things he did wrong. But it's a lot harder for me to go and look at, at my wife that day and say, you know what, there were things that I did wrong, you know? It's a lot easier for me to judge him instead of judging myself, right? And that's kind of what the law was there for. It's like this big old mirror. The law's like a big mirror. So when you look at it, you see yourself as, as what you are, and that's a sinner, right? When we look at it, we've seen that all these commands, I've broken, thou shalt not lie, right? Even just the Ten Commandments, we broke, I've broken all of them. Except for the murdering part, but Jesus addressed that and said, uh, <laughs> but Jesus addressed that and said, uh, you may not murdered, but if you have hatred in your brother, in your, for your brother in your heart, it's like you've committed murder. So I don't even get away with that one. And it's, even though we, 
we tend to ignore the law or ignore the mirror or whatever just because uh, after Thanksgiving we, we ignore looking in the mirror because we don't want to see what extra weight we gain. doesn't mean that the weight still isn't there, right? The same way, we can avoid the law we want, but that doesn't mean that we still aren't sinners. I had a professor in college, this is how he described the law. He said it made sin sinier. It made sin sinier. It, made, it magnified the sin that, you, that we've committed. But I still think this applies today. I think it's an important topic because there's a very big particular false teaching that addresses that if you do good and you have these good works, that one day somebody will enter heaven. That one day God will forget all the bad I've done in my life, and if I do good, that God will one day allow me to enter paradise. It's a false teaching that affects others, and I think it's important that we address it. I remember I had a conversation with somebody my freshman year in college, and I, uh, I would ask people how I could enter heaven, because I was curious on... Uh, their views on how somebody could be saved. Because if somebody told me something that wasn't the gospel, I know that they don't know the true gospel, and it just opened a way up. And I remember him telling me that he believes in take, uh, that he, if he would keep the Ten Commandments and do good every chance that he'd get, that he believed that one day God would let him into heaven. Which was ironic because we were working on a Saturday, and one of the commandments is that you shall keep the Sabbath day, but we didn't trust that. But it made me think of uh, just how misinformed he was. And so we shared the gospel, but he couldn't comprehend that's a free gift given by God. And that the whole purpose of the law, he, he misunderstood it. He thought it was a way to gain salvation. It was a way for, the, for us to realize that we can't gain salvation, that we're sinners. And that... God ultimately, Prophet Isaiah, he describes, God describes our own righteousness as filthy rags. And it's a pretty harsh term that our righteousness, our good deeds, God sees as filthy rags apart from the cross. That's what he sees it as. And for us to put ourselves back under the law to do good works is basically saying that Christ's sacrifice wasn't enough, which we know is false. Which leads to fact number three, and this is the best part about, is that the law directs sinners towards Jesus Christ. It says here, but before faith came, verse 23, but before faith came, we were in the custody, we were kept custody under the law, being shut up to the faith, which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law became our tutor to lead us to Christ, so that we may, that we may be justified by faith, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We live in a, a pretty blessed time where we have the full picture, right? We have the Old and New Testament. We see the full picture. But back then, Israel didn't, Israel didn't have that full picture. Christ had not yet came, and they were still under the bondage of sin. They were still under this tutor that God had given them. And when they, would, they were waiting for the day that Jesus would come to the earth to die for their sins. And there are pictures and symbols throughout the whole Old Testament, the Torah as they call it. There are symbols of Christ in it. That when they read the Old Testament, when they look forward in the future, they should have saw Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's always been about Jesus Christ. 
The whole central theme is Jesus Christ. So when we look back, we see that there was a reason God asked Isaac to offer up his son. And the reason, we see the reason was it tested not only Abraham's faith, but it also made a perfect picture of the ram taking the sacrifice that Isaac deserved. That that ram, if we look forward in the New Testament, it's actually Jesus Christ taking the punishment that we all deserve. And we see that the Israelites, when they would offer their sin offering, that it had to be unblemished, that there couldn't be a spot on it. And that's a direct reference to Jesus Christ living that perfect life. So there were these symbols that they would read it and they would study on it. So when Jesus Christ came, they would say, that's the Messiah. Or that's how it was supposed to be. They saw these prophetic statements made about him and they should have recognized that he was the true Savior. Now obviously we know the Jewish people uh, rejected that, but they had it available to them. And once when we ourselves, when, once when we recognize just who the, per, who the person of Jesus Christ is, the work that he did, what he did for us, and we put our trust and faith in what he did for us, because we understand that we are sinners, and we know that the only way, the only way we have hope is in Jesus Christ. So I, I think it's pretty clear that the law was never given to, to uh, take over the promise to Abraham and it was never, ever intended to bring salvation to man. It was never intended to make man justified in front of God. And it's always been and always will be about Jesus Christ. And I'm a pretty firm believer, the more, more I study it, the more and more I see the world around, I'm a pretty firm believer that the gospel should not be sugar-coated. It shouldn't be sugar-coated. It should be uh, worded out as loud as we can because that's how man realizes that they're in a wrong standing with God. And that's it. Jesus Christ, he humbled himself. He came to the earth. He took upon our sins. He died on the cross. And he rose again. He conquered that sin once and for all. Offered up eternal life to whoever may believe in him. Whoever puts their trust and faith in him. That's the condition that man has for salvation. Is accepting the gift. It's no works upon man. Nothing more and nothing less is required than the blood of Christ for salvation. So, uh, in conclusion, the book, the book, of, and that's everyone's favorite words, right? I just saw smalls go up everywhere. Uh, in conclusion, the book of Galatians, it's themed around this new freedom that we have in Christ. That we've been freed from this law, we're no longer under a tutor, that the law served its purpose, and that it proved that we were sinners and just pointed us directly towards Christ. But that still doesn't give us the excuse to sin, right? Remember what uh, was said to the adulterous woman a couple months ago? Go and leave your life of sin, right? <laughs> and that's our goal now, right? Is we, we are to become like Israel was supposed to be. To live that holy nation, to, be, uh, to live God-honoring lives and draw those who don't know the gospel towards Jesus. And ultimately, God will get the glory in the end. He deserves all the glory. But that is our goal. That's the reason why we're still here, right? The reason God doesn't take us up to heaven is the minute that we believe is because we're here for a purpose, right? And that would be my encouragement to you, and that's always my encouragement to the youth, is that we have a purpose on the earth, 
And the gospel, one, something that we shouldn't sugarcoat, and two, something that, that everyone needs to hear. So I would uh, encourage anyone who has the opportunity to shout it out. Don't be ashamed of it. And uh, that by doing so, uh, we have uh, pleased God and give God glory in that way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time that you have given me. Thank you for uh, allowing me to speak on something that I'm passionate about, Lord. Thank you for just the good that you've done. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for Jesus Christ. I pray that every single one of us would shout it from our lungs every chance that we get just how great of a Savior we have. And that's always about you. It always has been about you. And we pray that we would take it to heart and that every, every opportunity that we have, we would just live to serve you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.